This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Gemini Man, episode 11. These pictures were taken by an intersect agent in Litvania. I take it you haven't interrogated Rodinsky yet, huh? No. If he's involved in some kind of a plot to assassinate Gadesco, he'd only lie. But I do want to put under surveillance. All righty, how do you want to work it? Well, first of all, you have to get your hair cut. Oh, no. Oh, wait a minute. You're kidding me, Leonard. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've already put your name on the Academy's graduation list. Academy? What Academy? The Police Academy. Officer Sam Casey. Man, it's just what the world's been waiting for. An invisible cop. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast watching the Gemini Man finally fade out of existence. I'm Luke. Here with my co-host, Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Don't you feel a little bit uh, wistful and sad when we come to uh, the end of one of these series? You know what? Weirdly, I do normally, but I I don't feel much about Gemini Man. It did really make it a hard show to love. It's not even that, like, I don't even mind the characters on it. It's just that every episode was so desperately, like, not different, but just, like, none of it felt, like, it felt like we watched a bunch of, like, vaguely related TV movies. You're right. <laughs> it's. It, I'm sure it will come up in this episode as it is with all the episodes because um, for anyone just catching up, you know, we've jumped right to the last episode because we took the escape pod last week because uh, our ratings fell below a five as per our rules. I was really interested to see if there'd be any major difference going to the end of the series, you know, a tone shift or character changes, but it was like they didn't miss a beat. It has all the same things you would see in every episode, all the same problems. It's like they just went, that's the show we're making, and we're going to keep making it, whether it's working or not. I mean, it's true. Could be episode one, could be episode five, could be episode 11. <laughs> yeah, D- doesn't really need to have any invisibility in it, but they just kind of jam it in. Got to fit it in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned you were working on something for this show. that you, it's, it's taken you a few weeks, I think. Well, <laughs> see... That's selling it too high because it's going to seem much, much more complicated than what it is. What it was, was I wanted to compare this show to other shows of this era of the 70s and see how it stacked up. So I wanted to start as we were watching the show, I would make a little note and go, oh, that's a little interesting thing. That's kind of like this show or this thing is a little bit like that show. And so what I've put together is a little flash question around. I have 20 questions that I'm going to ask you and you choose one or the other. At the end, we'll see how this show stacks up against the other shows from the 70s. So here we go. First one. Would you rather have psychic ability from Baffled or invisibility from Gemini Man? Ooh, I want invisibility. It's a better, it's a better power. What do you like better? Double Quark or double Sam Casey? Double Quark. From Galactica 1980. I know it's 1980, but it was really filmed 1979. We have either the Super Scouts or from Gemini Man, Lucky the Dog. You know what? I'm going to go with the Super Scouts. From Genesis 2, horse riding Dylan Hunt, or from Gemini Man, horse riding Sam Casey. 
Oh, I forgot he rode that horse that time. Uh, Dylan Hunt. From Search for the Gods, we have the Ancient Alien Medallion, or from Gemini Man, the Minotaur Medallion. <laughs> that Minotaur, Minotaur Medallion sucked, so I'm going to go with the Search for the Gods one. <laughs> I agree with you. The next comparison is Max from America 2100 or Intersect from Gemini Man. Oh, um, oh, do you mean like the robots? No, just, just in general, Max or Intersect. Uh, you know what? I like Intersect better. Raymond Stryker from Search for the Gods or Dr. Arthur Hale from Gemini Man? He was the one that came up with a triple Adine. Oh, uh, Stryker. Better name. From Cork, the first appearance of Kirstie Alley or from Gemini Man, first appearance of Kim Basinger. Oh, Kim Basinger. From Planet Earth, Harper Smythe or from Gemini Man, Abby Lawrence. You know what? I like Abby. I do like Abby. I'm gonna, I would go with her. I do too. And uh, spoiler alert, she got a haircut for this last episode. I don't know if I was the only one who noticed. <laughs> Next one from Galactic 1980, Meatballs, or from Gemini Man, Drugged Orange Juice. Meatballs. Yeah, both will get you sick. From Beyond Westworld, Dressing Undercover as a Cheerleader, or from Gemini Man, Dressing Undercover as a Cop. Dressing Undercover as a Cheerleader, for sure. From Planet of the Apes, Pete Burke Dropkicks, or from Gemini Man, Sam Casey Invisible Punches. Uh, dropkicks. From Planet of the Apes, once again, Fire Swimming. Or from Gemini Man, landing a plane. Oh, landing the plane. I like the landing the plane. I think that was still a highlight from the show. Oh, I think it never got back there. <laughs> from Beyond Westworld, Joseph Oppenheimer or Gemini Man, Leonard Driscoll. Um, I'm going to go with Driscoll. I like Driscoll more, I think. Andy the Robot from Cork or the Minotaur Robot from Gemini Man? Oh, Andy the Robot, 100%. From The Stranger, Bettina Cook being compromised because of her brother or from Gemini Man, Nick Radinsky being compromised because of his wife. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, uh, that's a draw. That's a draw? Okay. From Cork, the head, or from Gemini Man, the blind lady, Mrs. Pierce. Mrs. Price, excuse me. Oh, the head. From Cork, Dr. O.B. Mudd, or from Gemini Man, the original Leonard Driscoll. <laughs> Those are two characters that both were kicked out of the show. That's what I did. Oh, um... A draw again. I think that's a draw for me again. Two more. We have Quester as a nuclear bong from the Quester tapes, or from Gemini Man, Tripolidine. Uh, but I'm going to go Quester as a nuclear bomb. That had a little more stakes to it. Okay, and finally, to wrap us up, we have Neil Stryker from The Stranger, or Sam Casey from Gemini Man. I mean, unfortunately for uh, it's Sam Casey for sure. I, Yeah, 100%. That uh, Stryker, whatever his name was, no good. Overall, you picked, of the 20 times you picked Gemini Man, nine times. That's including the ones that were draws. So I think that probably, uh, it probably comes in as like a meh show. Yeah, I mean, after I said it, I regretted giving uh, the invisibility over Leonard Nimoy. I, I give it back to Leonard Nimoy now, so it was dropped to eight. <laughs> well, then we're down to eight. Oh, dear. Well, Jordan, it's pretty good. It's, good. it's a good encapsulation of kind of all these shows, I think. They all kind of have very similar elements. Yeah, you start you start seeing some uh, uh, some similar things, especially uh, on this, which was a little teaser for what we're going to talk about. The plot line of someone who's doing something clearly bad, but it's like, but they're doing it because their their spouse is like they're captured, so it's all okay. Uh, at C Chupik on Twitter, who recommended this, he was mentioning uh, that he's just like, oh, these shows they love those renegade scientists. Those are always the bad guys. <laughs> there is a lot of renegade scientists. That's true. I was like, man, oh, man, that turned out to be most of these shows was a renegade scientist. 
This show actually didn't have a lot of, uh, for really selling that Sam is a real ladies man. There was maybe one, possibly two scenes of him as that. Yeah, they would mention it more like off camera, I think. They'd be like, remember he met that lady? But you'd never really see it. He has no time, though. He's too busy playing tennis. Or wasting invisibility. (laughs) Or wasting invisibility. (laughs) So, episode 11? Episode 11. Before we get into it, though, Jordan, I wanted to see what you thought we had missed on this show. So I've written down all the titles of the episodes that we've skipped past in the escape pod. Oh, okay. I'm going to read you each title, and then we'll try to figure out what that episode might have been. Okay. Here they are. First episode, Run, Sam, Run. I think it's probably pretty clear that after we had the swim episode, this is the exact same episode, but swap the swim team out for a track team and sam needs to stop a bomb from happening except in this case the runner has a bomb inside of them and if they uh drop below a certain speed they blow up so it's speed or crank meets that episode (laughs) yeah exactly all right then the next episode is targets i think probably one of those targets would have to be leonard because as we found through these many episodes he's always the target right that's what i said too i was just like uh eh, someone just targets leonard it really is funny that i don't think in any of the episodes we watched was anyone concerned about sam it's funny to give him be him the main character give him the superpower but everyone's really worried about leonard the guy at the, on, in the office behind the desk well this one i'm going to tell you and it's going to make you really disappointed we used the escape pod it is called buffalo bill rides again oh no buffalo bill came back yeah you got another episode so it'd be another episode of them being like, hey, take my Slim Jim to the Sky Train on the fast track to nowhere. And you're like, what are they saying? Uh, I actually looked up what this episode is about because I'm like, how do they bring this guy back? And it it fits the rest of the show perfectly. It's an episode about Sam Casey having to join a race car team and Buffalo Bill just happens to be in the crew. Uh, so it's it's a, um, a Cannibal Run-esque episode. Yes, where they shove in a previous character who was a trucker once, but now is not anymore. (laughs) Fan favorite. All right, next episode, Escape Hatch. I'm guessing because when we were introduced to Sam, he was uh, shark fishing, if if you remember. Um, So I'm guessing he was doing something uh, like extreme. My guess is it's a mountain climbing episode, and uh, they get stuck up on some sort of wire apparatus up high in the mountains, and they have to find the escape hatch to get out. I thought it was uh, Sam Casey. He's in one of those like complete like one-piece pe- underwear with the flap at the back, and that's the escape hatch. <laughs> yeah. Is that what they're called? Uh, no, I don't know if they're called that, but that's what I'm going to call them. <laughs> I had one of those when I was a little kid. I had a pair of pajamas like that. Adorable. <laughs> It might have been. I, I can't really remember. Your little took is hanging out. Yeah, I think they were yellow. <sighs> All right, next episode. Eight, nine, ten, you're dead. I, I tell you exactly what this is. <laughs> this is Sam going through his dating history because he finds out that one of them is a spy and she's gonna and she's gonna kill him. So he has to go through his ex girlfriends, like a high fidelity type thing, and that's the scores he had given them. He he can't remember their names, but he remembers what he scored them in attractiveness. <laughs> That's that's very good. I, I assumed it was just a knockoff of Pelham 1, 2, 3. Oh, which is a great movie, by the way. I think I've talked to this before. I love that movie with the exception of the last shot of the movie. The rest the rest <laughs> is like it's a 10 out of 10. But the last shot of the movie is so bad. Anyways, that's another that's another podcast. 
<laughs> and uh, the final episode before episode 11, Return of the Lion. Return of the Lion. I guess the lion must be some someone's nickname. I'm going to guess it's the guy who had Sam's job before. And he was nicknamed the lion because he had a horrible accident and he just became a lion. Oh, that's pretty good. I assumed it was original Leonard Driscoll comes back and it's revealed that he's been his he's been swapped out with the new one. That would be pretty good. I would love for them to do that in TV shows where they change actors and the other one comes back. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it then, shall we? We shall. Here's the IMDb summary for episode 11. Support your local police. Or as the French version I watched called it, uh, Le Dissident. Yeah, I mean, we both watched the French version. I thought that. I was like, that's not what that translates to. Did you like the name of the show in French? Yeah, what was it again? La Nouvelle Home Invisible. <laughs> it's much better. Gemini man Sam Casey goes undercover as an LAPD trainee to investigate a decorated officer who may be a sleeper Soviet agent. Yeah, that's that's mostly it. It uh, it opens up in a uh, Levanian neighborhood in Los Angeles. Let me ask you, how far in the episode did you get before you realized they weren't saying Lithuanian? I have it as my one, two, three, four, five, my sixth note. And my note is, are they saying Litvania? Because I thought they were saying Lithuania too. And then later I'm like, maybe they're saying Latvia. But what I realized, yeah, after about five minutes was, oh, they've just made up a country. I only caught it when they showed a sign that said the country's name on it. I'm just like, wait, Lithuania? For whatever reason, they want a soviet satellite state to be f- they just couldn't they couldn't pick a real one belarus or something for some reason so they couldn't pick their favorite they couldn't pick their favorite so they like ah let's let's just make one up Lithuania. <laughs> the police are there in this neighborhood setting up for a rally for alexander cadesco yeah uh who's alexander cadesco well he's some sort of um political figure he's like a dissident who has been I think they say he's he's sort of been he's escaped the uh, Soviet Union and he's been giving speeches and stuff. I know they've tried to assassinate him twice in Paris and London. Yes, yes, he's an author and the and the voice of Lithuanian freedom. Doesn't he look just like Hugo Strange though? Oh, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good description of him. Yeah, so if everyone pictures the 1970s Batman villain Hugo Strange, you'll know exactly what he looks like. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, while they're setting up, Sam and Leonard are back at headquarters uh, watching a video cassette of one of the officers who's been assigned to protect Cadesco, uh, Officer Nick Radinsky. Yeah, and this is the second time we've seen them watch a video for no reason. And and also in a highly edited video of like, who's taking the footage? I don't even know if it's the second time. It might be the third time because they watch the swimmers. Yeah. They get a video from the guy with the Minotaur robot. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it is the third time. I wonder if this was there. They're like, we have to have our Mission Impossible thing, like how they get a tape that's going to explode. But like, they're like, it's 1976, baby. Video cassettes. It's just such an odd thing because it doesn't add anything to the, the episode at all. It's just like a talking point, but you could just have them having that conversation anyway. But yeah. whatever, that's what they've chosen to do. It feels like they should have just received a briefing, but instead they're watching footage that there's no way they could possibly have. Well, here's what I know. There's nothing more exciting on TV than watching people watch TV. (laughs) So uh, here's what we know about Officer Nick Rudinsky. He's an American of Lithuanian extract. Yeah. 15 years in the force, unblemished record, 
Medal of Valor, but why are they looking into him? Well, they're looking into him because he's also Litvanian. And I think the one thing they have is that he has gone over to Litvania sort of secretly, and they and they have evidence of him doing that. And they think because of that, and I think maybe because of, I can't remember what the other reasons are, but they think he might be a sleeper spy. Are there other, uh, other uh, facts they give? Those are all the reasons. So, I mean, it's a little bit weak, but they, for whatever reason, think he might be the guy. And what we learn really quickly is, what's his face? Cadesco is coming to give a speech and he's going to be one of the cops manning like crowd control. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Sam's got to go undercover as a cop to find out if this guy is an assassin. So let me ask you this. What was Sam's level of education and training supposed to be at this point? Because he's already a he's wearing a uniform, as we're going to see very quickly. He's going to be driving around with, with another cop, clearly in a training uh, a scenario. But was he supposed to have already gone through all of police academy yeah i think that's what they say is that he just he's fresh out of the police academy he's been partnered with radinsky to like put them together and that's going to be kind of like his covers is like he's the officer training under radinsky it just seemed like sam wasn't given enough time or information to pretend to be a cop i mean in this episode it doesn't really matter he just kind of like sits around and is like yeah yeah 10 to 1 but yeah you know, in terms of the actual mission, there seems like there's more to it. Like if you just, if I just said to you tomorrow, you need to pretend to be a cop. Like it's not going to go very well. Yeah. It's like if I, if you drop me off in a minivan in a police officer's uniform and said, just go inside, you'll be fine. He's, he's just very, he's very casual with everything. He knows his way around. He understands all the rules and regulations and even knows like, it just seems a little far-fetched, but I mean, it is a show, but an invisible guy. So what I did like though, because Rudinsky and Sam meet up like immediately, and Radinsky like immediately assures Sam that he doesn't do things by the book at all. Yeah. And I was just like, is that supposed to be a good th- like he's supposed to be a cop we admire and like Sam really likes and it's just like he's like, "Don't worry, Sam. I don't follow any rules or play by any laws." And Sam's like, "Oh, thank God." But I'll mention though, it's not quite like he's like uh like some sort of renegade doing his own thing. He's a cop that bends the rules for the good. That's the that's the sense you get right away is he's he's that kind of police officer you like. Like the people in the neighborhood like him. He will bend rules for their benefit, not for his own. I actually am a real fan of this guy. He's my favorite character I think of the show so far. This was a real time and place where like the idea of like a cop who follows the rules was an ineffectual cop. Yes. So you had to be like a cop who like bent the rules. I think you're right. I think th- there's a little bit of opposition to authority that's running through this. Do you do you think that's why nowadays uh, everyone hates cops? Because they all like grew up being like, oh, cops should break the rules. And now all these new cops are like, why should I follow any rules? Uh, I think there's just a culture thing. I think you're right, though. This is the time of like dirty hairy yeah exactly uh, a bullet and that sort of thing right it was like cool to be a cop who was like a little on the edge yeah and now it was just like a cop who didn't beat us with a nightstick (laughs) too political (laughs) this is not our political podcast we do that after yeah that's uh i can't think of a pun for (laughs) um all right it's called human do you think you are because of (laughs) human that's the best I can Well, that almost worked. <laughs> <laughs> you almost got there. <laughs> um, anyway, Sam and his new partner, they go into the patrol of uh, Little Lavania, and they get they get word from one of the local business owners that uh, 
the Ross brothers are back after Radinsky kind of ran them out of the neighborhood. Do you think, though, the Ross brothers, they couldn't call them an Italian name to be offensive, even though they're clearly supposed to be like Italian mobsters? Yeah. But like no Italian mobster has a last name Ross. Well, I guess maybe that's a Lavanian last name. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, they're, they're back and they're setting up a, like a protection racket. So uh, they heard they're over at um, a store called Ernie's and uh, they had, they go over and uh, walk in on er- on the, the Ross brothers roughing up old Ernie in his grocery store. Did you catch the amount they're shaking him down for? No. They're going through the whole thing and there's like a longer scene. But at one point, the guy's shaking me. He's like, you know what? You know what? It's gonna be nice. He's like, I expect that 50 bucks a week. I was like, $50. <laughs> That's it? That's all you're gasking? All the, you're going to all this trouble. He's like breaking stuff and pushing the guy around. He wants 50 bucks. I'm like, I'll give you 50 bucks. I did like he smashes like a glass candy jar and Ernie's like, no, my best candy jar. <laughs> that would be irritating if it was your best one. I mean, I was just like, I was like, wow, your best one. How did you know? Because it was the biggest and most pristine. Anyway, when Rudinsky comes in, he starts uh, roughing up the uh, Ross brothers back to kind of like you know, rouse them out of there. and the, But the Ross brothers have learned about their civil rights. Yeah. And uh, this really uh, angers up old Rudinsky. <laughs> this was a classic 70s cop scene where, like, he just wants to, like, beat these guys up. And, and you, the viewer, like, you should beat them up. And they're like, uh, well, we have rights, too. And he's like, uh, damn you, Jimmy Carter or whoever it was. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait till Nixon takes those rights away. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, the, the uh, Sam and Rudinsky are forced to give up and leave ernie in the store to be extorted it was weird they're just like i guess it doesn't work and they just leave him but i mean there's there's a reason this scene sort of progresses but it does it is funny that the guy's literally getting grabbed by these two guys and they're just like well nothing we can do it's like well you can still stop them from beating a guy up regardless of whether you can stop the harassment like long term (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh what's great is they go outside and radinsky notices that the ross brothers car is parked near a towaway zone he's like oh, it's time to bend the rules a little bit. And he walks, He the, the window's conveniently open. He's able to put the car in neutral. And then he takes his uh, police car and pushes it just slightly into the towway zone. And then he's like, I guess we'll call the tow truck. I was like, that's such an innocuous punishment for someone. It is true. Also, you could just have him towed. You're a cop. I like Sam watches it all happen. And Sam kind of like leans into Radinsky. He's just like, that's not exactly legal. And Radinsky looks back at Sam and says, yeah but it makes me feel good though. (laughs) And Sam's like smiling and giving a thumbs up. Like, yeah, I love it, man. I'm into it. (laughs) Yeah. Sam's like, I meant to be a police officer. This is the best. (laughs) Sam really likes this, like just freewheeling laws don't apply kind of lifestyle. And and let me just uh, quickly uh, put one note. At this point, I was sure the episode was going to be a Manchurian candidate sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I was sure that he was, going to be like turned on and on and off like a machine to to do an assassination and i was like oh okay but that's not where this episode goes no no we'll get to that right away actually but just before we leave uh ernie's here since they can't stop the uh ross brothers from shaking them down how, how does sam take the law into his own hands another scene where they just have to jam in the invisibility he goes invisible goes into the store and essentially starts beating the guys up, but they think it might be the store owner because every every time they kind of come close, Sam hits them, and it sort of kind of looks like the store owner did it to, to the uh, effect that the store owner also thinks he maybe beat them up. Well, what I like is the Ross brothers, after they get punched a couple times by an unseen force, 
they look at these donor and they're so confused and they're like, he must be one of those guys who knows karate. Yeah. And then the store owner just starts making like karate sounds with his mouth mm-hmm. and like chopping the air and the bad guys run away and the stoner chases them making karate chop noises with his mouth. Yeah. Cause, cause that's what, that's what happens. If you, uh, an invisible person beats up people for you, you gain confidence and start, uh, making noises that was the weirdest thing it's i think it's it's played for laughs but it was i know it was played for laughs it was just so weird <laughs> anyway that kind of wraps up them with the uh, with these ross brothers and they like we get to see them going off and having some lunch and uh did you notice as they walk away to go to lunch uh Rudinsky steals an apple from ernie's shop and walks away <laughs> i did notice that he pushes the rules he's like hey did i not help you kind of i get an apple but yeah, they they go to they go to lunch at what appears to be a build your own burger shop where Sam is putting so many onions on his burger. They go to commercial break and they come back from commercial break and Sam is making the hamburger and he makes that comment of like, I can't believe how many onions you guys have on your hamburger. And I thought, is this sort of some sort of weird national joke towards this fake country? Is that the gag that uh, can you believe how many onions they eat? But it was Sam who was eating all the onions. It was Radinsky who was complaining about it because he was going to stink up the, <laughs> the cop car. Right. Yeah. Anyways, it's a place where you build your own burger. It doesn't look very good. No. But they're there because what we'll see now is there are bad guys spying on them, taking pictures of them having lunch across the street. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to meet these bad guys shortly because Radinsky needs to make a quick stop at the Levanian American nursing home to visit his <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. Now, at this point, when you see the girlfriend, did you think anything was wrong with her? No. When they said he was going to a nursing home, I missed the part where he said he was going to visit his girlfriend. I thought he was going to visit a grandparent because that's what I think when I think nursing home. I, th- I thought the exact same thing. But then it's like, I can't remember. Now, did did she look like she was sedated or anything or was she just chilling? I, I mean, it didn't strike me as much. Like he goes into the room to visit her and there's like a doctor and a nurse in there. And uh, Sam's invisible his way in to, like, spy on them. And he's just like, well, this all looks kosher. So he, like, walks away. Right. But uh, it's kind of funny because he, he Sam, like, sees this woman who's clearly not well, I guess, his girlfriend. And Radinsky's visiting her. And then he goes and finds a payphone and calls Leonard and says, hey, Leonard, um, I really like this Radinsky guy. I feel very uncomfortable spying on him while he visits his girlfriend and it visits his personal life. And on the phone, Leonard's just like, what? That's your job. You're, you're there. You're there to spy on him. And Sam's like, I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And uh, Leonard's like, I just constantly exasperated by having to deal with Sam. It's just like, he's like, why did I send you on this mission? Your mission was to spy. And he's like, well, I don't know if I really want to. Like, I like the guy now. He's like, who cares if you like him? That's not, that's your job. <laughs> I know. It's like, I'm thinking too. I'm like, it's this is your only job, Sam. Yeah. We got you. We got you the uniform already. We did our, our side. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He looks great in it, too. Top notch. Yeah. But uh, back in that room, Radinsky and his girlfriend, um, the, the the doctor and the nurse who are in there, oh, they're not really doctors and nurses. No. They're about as evil as the villains we've seen in this in this show before. They're sort of these two-dimensional, just interchangeable kind of people. There's two guys and a woman. And it, it is it here they tell us what the plan is? Yeah. I mean, more or less, we kind of get it in the next few scenes here of, like, what they're doing. Well, you can go over exactly what it is, but the plan that they have could be executed in so many different ways. The fact that they've decided the way they're doing it is kind of amazing to me. It's true. They've 
they want to kill Cadesco. Yeah. As we know. And what they've decided to do is the woman there, Christina, she's going to approach him at the rally with a bouquet of flowers. And inside that bouquet of flowers is a little spritzer that's going to be full of poison. Yeah. And it's going to spray into him and kill him. And also kill her. Yes. But here's the thing about it. The stakes for this is this apparently can only happen in one very specific time after he gives his speech and she's going to go up and give him flowers. Why that's the case, I don't know. I don't know why. If this is, they had to do it this way. The only way they could do it was spray poison out of flowers like they're a Silver Age Joker. Why didn't do it when he walks to the car or when he's going to his hotel or a myriad of other times or places they could do this sort of thing. And that's just if you have to use the poisoned flowers where it's like, why don't you just have a gun in those flowers and shoot him or shoot him from far away or just strangle him to death or you know where he's in a, in a hotel. It's like, it just, it seems so, uh, the stakes seem so low for this because it didn't really make sense. It was a ludicrous plan. And I mean, why take a cop's girlfriend hostage so that you can use him to let you buy in the crowd? Yeah, so th- that is basically what we learn is that the reason they want Radinsky is he's running the crowd control. They have the flowers. They're going to, uh, after he finishes... Um, uh, the guy finishes his speech. Radinsky will let her on the stage to give him flowers and then kill him. Again, it's overly complicated for a very simple sort of assassination that, like, I, it would have been easier to rent uh, an apartment across the street and shoot him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess that's the cornerstone of all the bad guys in the show. Their plans are overly complicated to the point of complete failure. What if the most minor thing happened? What if uh, Radinsky said, yes, you can go up on stage, but then some other cop said no? That's it. Plan over. So it's like, it's such a long way to go. But regardless of that, that's the plot we have. And that's why Radinsky has to do what he has to do. It's not because he's a Manchurian candidate. It's because he's so worried about his wife slash girlfriend, whoever she is, that he'll do whatever he has to to keep her safe. Yeah, we get a we get a quick cutaway to intersect here where Abby is meeting with Cadesco, the uh, voice of the Lithuanian freedom movement. Oh yeah, <laughs> did you did you catch how how he was introduced and what he said to her? I did. I've got it written down here the dialogue because it. I was also like, holy fuck, <laughs> he's such a jerk. <laughs> Abby meets him and she's just like, oh, Mister Cadesco, I've read all your books. And he looks at Abby and says, reading is one thing, understanding is another. And that's it. And she doesn't respond. She's just like, you're right. I'm just a dumb woman. I was just like, let this dick get assassinated, Abby. Just be like, you know what? Never mind. Isn't it interesting, though? And and I don't know what your feeling is on it, but it almost seems like you as a viewer are not supposed to like him because he, he only comes off as off-putting in every scene he's in. However, I don't know if that's just because we're watching this in 2020, you know, like 30, 40 years later. Maybe that's just he just seems so unpleasant now. But it just seemed at the, like you're watching like, oh, should I want him dead? Yeah, I also felt the same way. I'm like, oh, never mind. I hope you die. <laughs> Which actually would have been maybe a little more complicated than uh, this show is able to pull off. But that would actually be a more interesting episode if halfway through you actually feel for the people assassinating and they have a real point because we never do learn why they want to kill him other than they're Soviet spies. Like, you know what I mean? There's no reason of like, oh, he's actually a bad guy. So what Sam's doing is protecting this bad guy, even though it's the right thing to do. And there's this moral quandary that'd be a little more interesting but instead we get poison flowers 
Imagine, imagine an episode like that on Gemini Man. <laughs> yeah, it it would never happen. Anyway, uh, that I just wanted to bring that up specifically so we could talk about that part with uh, with uh, Cadesco being a dick. But I love that he does that, and then that's it. There's there's it's not even like Leonard's like whoa 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 here she was just complimenting you you know it's like it just they just let it go. Yeah, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, um, the bad guys have uh, developed those photos they took of uh, Sam and uh, Rudinsky having lunch together. And this blew me away. But uh, Christina, the, the woman bad guy, she looks at the photos and she's like, hey, this is Sam Casey, an intersect agent. And the other guys are like, I know what everybody knows who Sam is for some reason. And not because he's like the famous invisible man, because, again, no one. Nobody knows that. Knows Only- that. <laughs> But everyone seems to know either Intersect is the worst agency ever or Sam is very, very famous. Because this happened at least two, three times in the show where someone's like, oh, yeah, that's Sam. He's undercover. It's like, why are you sending him undercover? They should send Leonard. Less people know him. It's true. It made me laugh so hard. I'm just like, what is the point of any of this? Anyway, since they know he's an Intersect agent, they call up Rudinsky and they're like, hey, you got to kill Sam. Uh, we're going to set up a burglary at a jewelry store later tonight. You just go there to investigate, send Sam around back to the delivery entrance, and we'll just kill him. So don't worry about it. Like, we're going to get rid of this intersect agent. So we kind of get like a, a bit of a lead up to that where they're like in the car waiting for the call to come in. And when it finally comes in, Radinsky's like, all right, you go around to the delivery entrance and I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll go to the front. And as Sam kind of walks off, Radinsky has a change of heart. Yeah. And he, and he stops Sam from going. And he's like, no, don't go in. And then real quick, Sam's like, well, I got a little trick, and he goes invisible and knocks the guy out, and that's that. And then it's like, and and weirdly, there's not as much of um, any sort of repercussions or any any effect on the rest of the episode because of this happening. You think like they would know that Radinsky's against them now, but it just kind of goes away. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what happens now is now that Radinsky's come clean about him working for the bad guys, they go to intersect, and he kind of tells them about his girlfriend who's being held hostage for a Madrid of reasons about her country of origin and not being able to get to the United States and like yeah. people tricking them. It goes on and on and on like this explanation for how they got his girlfriend. I was sure the episode was ending now because I thought that was the whole point of the episode was going to be him turning and admitting that he was doing this thing. But it just then I was like, Oh, it's going to keep going. I have to see the stupid end of the episode with the flowers. Cause it was still 15 minutes left. Well, that's it. And then they basically decide since nobody knows Sam didn't die at the burglary, Intersect's going to like put out a press release saying Sam was killed in a burglary and that the bad guys will think the plan is still on. And they basically are going to like keep Bradinsky as their inside man as, as the rally happens tomorrow. Right. And we, we cut to the morning. A good crowd scene, like a big crowd, lots of signs, yep. lots of cops everywhere. They made up a fake flag for uh, Litvania. That's true. Rudinsky's right in front of the stage, guarding the side like he's supposed to. And Sam, who's supposed to be dead, is just standing next to him. Yeah, of course he is. What The most famous wow. intersect agent in the world that everyone knows. Who they just announced was murdered the night before. And the bad guys are going to go talk to the cop he's standing next to. Like I was just like, what is happening? What, what I like, though, is the only real mention, uh, the villain. I can't. I never caught her name. Uh, the, the woman... Uh, Christina, she's at one point, she's like, well, Radinsky, 
too bad about that plan that uh, didn't work out and we uh, our guy got uh, uh, killed. But oh, well, anyways, back to the plan. Like, that's just they're just they go on with it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, Cadesco starts giving his speech. Christina approaches uh, with her poison flowers. Sam, like, runs off and hides in some bushes. As he does. And uh, Christina's like, let me through to kill uh, kill the speaker. Uh, your girlfriend's in that van parked right over there. As soon as I kill her, they're going to let your, her out of the van, I guess. I, like, I was like, what? Like, why are you trusting these people? Yeah, and they do do a great uh, push in with the camera to show her banging on the window of the, of the van. <laughs> and anyway, Radinsky lets her past. Uh, she walks up to Cadesco. And Sam turns invisible and races toward the podium to stop her. Like, they they didn't have a... Pl- like, they knew it, she was going to come and try to kill them. And they knew they had the upper hand. But Intersect didn't put any plan into place. Like, Sam just has to, like, race up there and try to stop her still? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just so funny to know what the plan is and then do nothing about it. But I guess what it... Maybe Intersect just gets lazy because they know they have an invisible man. But yeah, so that's that's basically what happens is Radinsky lets her by. She goes with her little flowers, but Sam grabs them and tosses them out of the way. And, and then she has to do some invisible acting like someone's attacking her. Then what I like, though, is he pulls the gun out of her pocket and puts it in her hand to have it shoot up in the air. And then so like the cops start grabbing her. Is that what happened? I thought she just pulled the gun after the flowers went away. No, Sam put his hand in her pocket, pulled out gun to show that she was like, so it didn't look like just a woman with flowers, put it in her hand, and she shot it in the air, and then the cops grabbed her. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. Wouldn't it have been great, though, if while she was going up, he, I don't know, just pulled the gun out of her pocket and the flowers away from her, and then she was just standing up on stage? And then she's like, yeah, there's nothing you could do. Or, I mean, I don't know, just, like, have Rudinsky point at her when she gets there and they arrest her, or I don't know. <laughs> there's that anyway i did like this next part though because what happens is sam sees the van the girlfriend's in keep in mind still invisible and he runs through the crowd invisibly so you have a crowd full of people invis acting as if an invisible man is pushing his way through a crowd so the crowd is like parting around a person who's not there i thought it was pretty good i also thought i was like that is well directed you know after watching how many we watched six or seven episodes I wish they did more stuff like this. Like, that's the point of having a visible thing where there's you actually can see the result of him being invisible because they've done like, yeah, the fake fight against stuff. But I was like, that was cool. And it looked good. And actually, all the extras did a good job of parting. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was one of the best uses of invisibility they've done the entire show. We get a great chase, though, because now the van's off. San has run through the crowd and very conveniently his motorbike's there so we get a now a 1970s motorbike chasing van with cop chasing them scene oh man that chase sequences went on forever and ever through the streets of la <laughs> it, it did but it finally like ends up on a closed freeway they basically at one point the van sort of goes over the uh grass median onto what looks like it's a um like yeah a highway under construction but i think it's just so it's it's a closed circuit yeah, well, and that's it. I think, and I, I wish I knew more about Los Angeles and kind of the, like, geography of it, because I feel like that must have been an actual freeway they were working on and, like, building, because it's, like, huge. It's, like, eight lanes, completely empty, and I'm like, man, what a treat for them to be able to use this for this car chase sequence. And that, that's why they want it to go on for 15 minutes. I guess, I guess so. <laughs> but, yeah, essentially, Sam rides his motorcycle up next to the van turns invisible and then climbs onto the roof of the van as as it's in motion you're off just slightly 
he is visible, rides up with his bike, gets on the van, still visible, climbs the ladder, gets on the top, lays on the top of the van, and then goes invisible. So they've already seen him get on. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So it's like, I didn't know what the point, because I thought that was the same thing. I'm like, he's going to jump on and they're not going to know he's there because he's visible. But like, no, no, he got on. You could see him. It was until he was on the top that he that he went invisible. Well, what I like even more is the next part is he, I guess, invisibly, he climbs around to the passenger side door, opens it from the roof. So to the driver of this car, he's driving this van. He looks over. The passenger side door opens up and then closes on its own. And the driver's just like, oh, that's weird. And he just looks away as if nothing has happened. But then Sam uh, starts grabbing the wheel. So the guy's like, what's happening? Whoa. And he's sort of, he doesn't really crash the van, but he's, he, it gets it to kind of go off road and immobilizes it. Yeah. He kind of just makes turn to a stop or something. Yeah. I mean, not to harp on this, but let's say you're driving down the highway, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. And the passenger side of your car opens up fully and then closes completely. Are you just, are you continuing to drive? The answer is yes. It would be weird, but you know what? This guy's in the, in the, he's stuck in the moment. His, uh, his heartbeat is going, he's racing down. He, he doesn't have time to think about, you know, what's reality and what's not. Fair, uh, fair enough. That's true. He's in the middle of a police chase. <laughs> I don't anyway. know why I'm defending this guy. It's a, it's, it's a stupid scene, but I'm just glad they at least had some invisibility in the show. That's true. But yeah, Sam brings the van to a stop. He beats up the bad guys. He rescues the girlfriend. And we kind of get like a denouement to the episode where um, he he meets up with uh, with old Rudinsky and his girlfriend. And Sam assures them, it's like, hey, now that Congress is looking into uh, this spy ring, good news for your girlfriend. She's a key witness and uh, she'll never be deported. Yeah, they're, they're basically like, you know how... Uh... How long it takes for uh, these court, uh, these fat cats in uh, in uh, in government to take you get to your case? So she's gonna be for a long time. And and I thought, as a viewer now, let alone back then, I wouldn't have cared at all. I didn't need that loose end tied up. I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I think it was all because they end the episode after he says that Radinsky and Sam do a secret police handshake. Yeah, they do a great handshake, and that's the last shot of the show, is their two hands clasped in this in this particular way. I'm like, all right, what uh, what is happening here? And that's it. That's the entire series. Oh, my God. Um, I've got some final notes for you here. Okay. This episode, much like our episode where um, the swim team was on, mm-hmm. was written by uh, Stephen E. DeSouza, writer of Die Hard and uh, Commando and such. Yeah, one of our favorites. Man, oh man, this guy really churned him out. <laughs> he did. I think he. I think you're. You're probably right. He's actually one of those writers who probably just wrote everything. And every now and then, whether it was an accident or not, he banged out something that someone else made into something special. Yeah, I mean, you know, or maybe like he just had a couple good ideas that really popped. I don't know, but yeah, like these episodes certainly don't like betray what's coming. <laughs> no, in his career. Uh, here's something that we kind of talk usually talk about at the end of one of these series, Jordan. But uh, here's kind of a future episode of the show I wish would have happened. Okay, I would have really liked. I decided I wanted to see this because what we know is nobody knows Sam's invisible, right? Yeah. With the sole exception of the people he's captured, and then Scooby Dude, so they look like insane people, being like he turned invisible, and everyone's like, "What? You're crazy." 
I wanted to see the episode where all the bad guys he's caught are in prison, but they are the only people who know Sam can go invisible, and they kind of form a Sinister Six. <laughs> but do they have other powers? No, they don't have powers. They just all, like, they're just like a super crew of villains, the only people on Earth who know to do invisible. It's not, it's not bad. Hey, look, this show could do anything. I, I have a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Remember in the first episode of this, uh, the pilot, which was episode zero, I think, they really played up the fact that Sam only had 15 minutes of invisibility. And you were really irritated that they sort of killed that right away because he had been, even in the first episode, he went over 15 minutes and nothing really happened to him. Now, I was kind of interested to see if as the show went on, these stakes of this 15 minutes, were good, they're going to go back to it. Because you said, what's the point of the show now? We already know it doesn't matter. But as you'll as, you know you watch them as well it never really came up that much like i think maybe once or twice they mentioned it but it was never the crux of any of the episodes or the b plot that he was running out of time they sort of got rid of that after the pilot like they still mentioned you only have 15 minutes but it was not like there was the decision of is he going to be able to get the bomb and he only has three minutes left that really never came up again didn't no, did, did that bother you or did you did you like that they kind of got rid of that i I mean, I, I thought it was a just like, it was just a waste of an idea. Like that was one thing that was the ticking clock that you felt like would at least drive momentum of these episodes. And the only time they used it was in the one with the swim team. And even in that particular time, it's not like he'd used a lot of invisibility. Just at the end of it, they just announced, oh, you only have 30 seconds left. But we hadn't seen him use invisibility for yeah. 15 minutes. But, but the thing is, these episodes, as we've said before, were never really structured for invisibility it's not like they came up with a plot like okay he's invisible wouldn't it be crazy if he got stuck in this situation and had to be invisible or he was sent on a mission that specifically needed invisibility that only someone with invisibility could solve it was sort of like your run-of-the-mill adventures and oh yeah by the way we'll throw in a scene or two where someone goes where'd he go yeah and i think that's why that was missing because even if you try, you put in that the element of, you know, the ticking time bomb, as you said, of the watch, it it wouldn't even fit or really matter with the show they were trying to make, which was more of a weekly adventure show. And by the way, every now and then he's going to go invisible and it doesn't really matter. I think you nailed it on the head when you said it's kind of like they had to write just like separate scenes where he'd have an invisible moment, but rarely did those relate to the plot. No, because... As we've said, not only did the villains have convoluted schemes for getting money or whatever they wanted, the the way of trying to jam in these scenes was also convoluted because there was 10 other ways that Sam could have solved a problem by not going invisible. Like in this one, jumping on the van and then going invisible, he could have just jumped on the van and then kicked the guy out of the car. Like there was no point of visibility at all other than, oh yeah, I guess we got to put that in. Yeah, it's true. All right, Jordan, you want to rate this final episode? Support your local police? <laughs> yeah um you know i i actually can't remember what i gave the other episodes i know they weren't very high because the show the show obviously we took the escape pod i was gonna give it a 5.5 because um, it's not a very good show but i'm gonna get him an extra point because i really liked radinsky and i wish the show was about him and being a cop just pushing people around so six yeah oh no like six and a half he gets one whole point. six and a half wow yeah it's not and it's not that good an episode but i just like i like old nick radinsky well i will say this uh, of the episodes we've watched this was certainly one of the least painful to watch yeah yeah i'd agree with that 
it wasn't it had some moments Rudinsky you're right was was good it still wasn't great but at least the plot I, I like the plot of a dissident coming to speak and like the Soviets trying to kill him I, I'm gonna give it a four and I, you know what your score is probably actually closer to what this actual episode is it's like You've got all these cool elements of this assassinate assassination, but it's not really about an assassination. You have this Manchurian candidate thing, but it's not really that. You have an invisible guy who doesn't really go invisible, and that's sort of the show in a nutshell, isn't it? That's pretty much it. All right, Jordan, you want to hear the final rating? Should we type it into the computer? Oh, yeah, let's see. It's, it's going to be about a five, just under a five. All right. The computer says, with all these ratings tallied, it's coming in at a 4.75. And that's probably probably where it should be, don't you think? I think it's a little generous. Do you? You think it's... it's you think... So if, so if you were looking at an overall score of this, and out of 10, and people said, what's that show like? And it said 4.75, you'd say, that's too high? I think I would. Really? No, I, I think it's about a 4 or 5 out of 10 overall. Yeah, I, I'd lean to a three, but, uh, you know, who each his own, I suppose. Yeah, Speaking guess, of, yeah. would you recommend this to anyone? I don't think I would. You know what? It's it's not fun enough to kind of enjoy it for the camp factor, and there's not enough sci-fi elements for someone who likes that. Maybe someone who's a real completist of 1970s action TV shows, but, I mean, I don't know how many people that is, you know? Yeah, honestly, that's my note here is this like you'd have to be a, a real completist of like 1970s stuff like this would be low on the list, but you'd like it's just someone who has to complete it. Yeah, it's like someone they're bleary eyed. They've just got the remote in their hand. They're like, all right, I finally got through cork. What's next? All right, Gemini man, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that, that wraps it up for uh, us and Gemini man anyway. If uh, you at home have some uh, information we you need us to know about Gemini Man, you can email us at uh, continuumdrag at gmail.com is the place to do that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll, we'll, we'll find some stuff from this episode, I'm sure. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's not a lot, but we'll, we'll, we'll find something. Probably Ernie doing uh, fake karate. Yeah, that was good. Um, but you can, you can see that at uh, our Twitter and Instagram accounts, at uh, continuumdrag for both of those. And that about wraps it up, Jordan. I guess uh, we'll come back uh, next week uh, with a little failed pilot TV movie and then move on to something new after that. Mm -hmm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, listener, thanks for joining us. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Dreg is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>